0: Episode twelve, TB twelve of the Legends Podcast. I am one half of the Legends Podcast, Ari Levy, here with my co-host Sam Manheimer, and we are two and a half hours
1: away from kickoff from the Super Bowl. And who you got, Sam? Well, I think the viewers will know who will have won by the time this episode drops. So this is just us calling our shot. I'm I'm riding bucks on this one. I think I'm you riding the bucks too.
0: Most shows, whether it's Fox Sports, ESPN, part of my take, they love to talk about who they think are going to win. And then when the game's over, if they if it wasn't right, they just don't really ever mention it. But we are putting our predictions out after the game comes out. So this is authentic.
1: You know, what we could do, though, is just say that we're recording before the Super Bowl and then actually just record it after the Super Bowl. But then we could- say that we did before.
0: We could find time tomorrow to edit this up and, and make the right winners
1: for the cloud, but we're not doing that. We're riding with the bucks. Tom Brady going for Super Bowl number seven.: All right, I got Scotty Miller scoring. I got playoff Lenny getting two Tuddies. I got Gronk Gronk spiking in the end zone, 28 to 27 bucks. That's a I close got, game. Bucker misses an extra point. that's it.
0: Yeah, the, I did see that available on DraftKings Sportsbook. The Buckner missing the extra point. Oh, I think it's. I don't think it's a miss. I think it has to hit off the upright.
1: That's oddly specific.
0: Yeah, there's probably a bet for miss, but I do like um, some prop bets. I like. I like Leonard Fournette first touchdown. My roommate Brian, he picked it's Tom Brady over 0.5 yards rushing. That's uh, a gimme. Yeah, but if he doesn't go for a, a sneak, a sneak he, he does, he's not going to get it. He doesn't really run the ball at all, but it, it's such a low amount. It's it's kind of a smart bet. I like Gronk touchdown at any time and I like Mike Evans touchdown at any time. Also, I think Travis Kelce and Tyreek Hill. I mean, there's just a lot of really good offensive weapons in this in this game, but I'm I'm leaning, I'm putting more of my money towards the Bucs.
1: It is a uh, going to be a good game. Also kind of wild that this is the first time a team has played a home Super Bowl. The Super Bowl being played in Tampa and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers being technically the away team. But it just kind of sucks in that the first time this happens, it's just in the middle of a pandemic and you can't have a sold out crowd. Yeah,
0: Minnesota was really close to having that a couple of years ago, except they went into Philly and got absolutely smoked. They were one game away from having a home Super Bowl and they just... They just shit the bad Minnesota sports for you, eh? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they were riding a little high after the miracle. So they, they still got theirs that postseason, but yeah, they definitely came up a bit short. But here we are with uh Tampa. Tampa, yeah. I should say. Tampa.
0: We got a really great show for you guys today. We interviewed Linda, mom Linda, our house mom from college. We we take a time machine back a little bit to to the fraternal days. Me and Sam actually got together to edit it. Sam does a great job of editing. Usually he doesn't need me, but a lot of info was dropped on this interview. So we
1: had to get together to decide whose identities we were going to (laughs) protect. Linda, in her time as house mom, saw quite a bit of shenanigans taking place. And she, she did not miss any of it. Um, and she really opened up in an awesome way, both both in some funny stories, but then also some deeper meaning that she got out of the, the house mom role that she was in. Really excellent interview. Yeah, like Ari said, she did not hold back on some names. So we did need to omit some of those.
0: Yeah, she did not hold back. She's, she's a real great lady and she's, she's really special to a lot of us. Mm-hmm. that went through that house which is why we call her mom linda she was also the president of the housing association at indiana yeah. university for all
1: the fraternities and sororities she had a lot of clout in the house mom circles and then she definitely earned the title mom linda for us Earned, yeah. not given on that
0: read <laughs> i don't
1: know definitely. if that's got to do with it but i just thought of it well super excited to bring you the interview it was good seeing ari ari got to pull the curtain back a little bit on what the editing process looks like. takes a while. It's kind of one of those things you just got to put your head down and do. So hopefully Ari gives me more credit now. I I give you credit. Do it more publicly though. Sam? Yes.
0: You are director of editing and I am director of marketing and guest management. We each have our roles. That doesn't really seem like a compliment though. Stay in your
1: lane. How about
0: that? Stay in your (laughs) lane.
1: (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, we'll leave it yeah, at that.
0: You you do a great job of editing. I didn't even realize how many ums and and uh and like moments and pauses that you take out of the conversations, <laughs>
1: which is really like which is really smart. Thanks, Ari. That means a lot. You're good so, at what you do. My heart is all warm and fuzzy right now. Aww, love you, buddy.
0: We <laughs> gotta. We we also. We want to plan some in-person interviews. I know with COVID, it's like a little challenging, and we were both away for a while. Sam was away in California. He left in December, and then the like the week he got back, I left and went to Arizona for a couple weeks and Utah. But we're finally back together, and we definitely want to get the vibes going in person.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We were gonna do the our intro recording yesterday. Together, but it, it kind of took a while to edit it because we had to figure out who was getting implicated and who was not of our <laughs> friends, who was name dropped by Linda. So it took a little bit of time to edit it. So we're doing this remotely, but we're hoping to get an in person intro
1: or interview in sometime soon. Yeah. One thing that the uh, pandemic really forced upon all of us was the remote work environment. And uh, the Legends podcast is no exception to that. We adapted and overcame it. We're like a special forces group. Yeah. But with podcasting. Yeah,
0: we're like our, our helicopter went down, but like we're together. We're just like we're
1: still going forth with the mission. We're bu- we're busting down that that house and getting Geronimo. There's the army, the navy, the marines, space force, and legends podcast force.
0: Yeah, TLP to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. Well, we're super stoked to bring you this interview with Linda. We've had it in the back pocket for a while. Really excited for you guys to finally get a chance to listen. And I think without any further ado. Here it is, mom, Linda Lamorand.
0: All right, we now welcome on a very special guest, a very important woman in my life and the lives of many, Linda, our house mom, Mom Linda.
1: It's good to see you.
2: You know, uh, as I said, you both look so growing up. What year did you graduate?
1: 2017, so oh
2: my three God. years ago. Oh, it seems like, oh my God, long time ago.
0: Time really does fly in Bloomington, Indiana, unlike any other place I've ever been to.
2: Well, you know, most of you guys go at a speed of 150 miles an hour constantly, so.
1: That is true. <laughs> and you saw that firsthand.
2: Oh, I, I did. Up and down the hall, as my office was right there, I've seen about everything go by my office, and it always embarrassed guys when they walked out with their girl, what do you call it? Uh, the It used to be called the uh, the Walk of Shame, I don't even oh, know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it used to embarrass all the guys, and the girls would sort of turn their faces, and it's like, oh, well, whatever. I've seen this a million times. Guess what? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. You never grudged.
2: Nothing surprised me, I will tell you that. I do not think. Uh, how I started here, I, I was at, uh, I moved back from New York. My original career was in radio, and I had moved to North Carolina, and then I moved to New York. And I came back and wasn't for sure I wanted to go back into radio. And I had a friend who was the house director. Asia, and I asked him if they knew if there were any jobs. And uh, at the time, Zeta was open. And I interviewed for Zeta, the sorority house. And I got the job there. And then I went to Phi Mu. And then uh, I left Phi Mu and went back into radio for a year. And that was just a disaster. They wanted me to do in one year what I'd done in 19 years. And it was kind of impossible. And then I got the job at the beta house and i was there three years i think i was off another year and interestingly enough your house had in, had hired a linda because she was recommended by your accountant and it was another linda and i guess your the guys um, interviewed her and she came in they told her she needed to live in the house and she came in and saw the apartment or room six you know the infamous room six <laughs> the president's office and she she just started going off on them about that all had to be changed well she was right but that wasn't something that was going to happen. So they called, I think the accountant said, you know, what the hell is going on here? Did you interview Linda Lamarant No. So they called me. She already had a contract and was getting ready to sign it. And then they, who interviewed me was Scott Berman and the first president, the founder. So that's how I ended up getting hired. I love my radio career. I was in it 21 years, and I feel so fortunate that I was able to pick up something else and love it as much. I didn't think I could love anything as much as I did that career, but I loved doing this job, especially with your house. I mean, it was the gem of my fraternal career. It it, it truly was. Um, uh, and there was something about you Jewish boys that are just special. I've always said <laughs> wow. that. And I always tell people that and they look at me like, are you real? That sounds kind of or right, anti-Semitic or
1: no? <laughs> the no. opposite.
2: No, I mean, do you not get me? I'm thinking these guys have a great family life and a great tradition. And I mean, y'all had it all. And I was just like, I'm this Catholic, you know, mom. I always told everybody, you know, Jesus, you know, was my savior and he was Jewish. So that made us all related really in a way. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, think I wanted to be Jewish. You know, I think I'm probably baby
1: You're definitely an honorary Jewish woman at this point after thank being you. the A by house
0: mother. Yeah. And I could say for certain growing up with a Jewish mother, you were our Jewish mother in college without oh, a doubt. Thank,
2: oh, thank you. I, that's what I wanted to be. I think, you know, somebody asked me one time, a couple of us house directors, I asked, what is it that you like most? And the other lady said money, but she made really good money. <laughs> and I said, it's really the relationships. And I've been in the relationship business because I was in sales. So it's important to have that relationship. And I just felt like you were all my kids, really. Just My job was to work with you and to help facilitate what you wanted done and the way I wanted to do it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, we definitely couldn't have done a lot of the administrative work without you. And then you also were just a a great kind of mentor to a lot of us as well, just being available as an adult presence.
2: I love that part.
1: You you were also
0: in a way you were kind of like a part time therapist because you had your door always open and like you had the chair and and guys would walk in after a night, you know, some in their boxers and T-shirts and they just sit down and just like let it loose on you and just like tell tell oh. you about your problems.
2: Oh, yeah. I, you know, I've had you may not know this, but I've had guys sit in there with the door shut and cry. And uh, it, that was a part that. I never I had all three girls, so I never had any boys. So it was an interesting, it was just the opposite of the problems guys go through and girls go through. But a lot of guys' problems have to do with girls. And <laughs> I certainly know how women think.
1: You also had a lot of friendships with sorority house mothers, and I was always hoping you would be able to put a good word in for me. I never oh, asked them. Yeah. Maybe I should have.
2: Yeah. I wish, you know, I I was president of the House Director Association for six years, so I got to know all of them, good, bad, and ugly, you know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some of them, uh. yeah, i tell you what, one of the vendors that called on me, she said, I think you're the Nancy Pelosi of the House Director. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: and,
2: and you know what? I didn't take offense to that. I thought it was kind of cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, Linda.
0: One thing I, I remember was the, the constant turnover among custodial staff. And, oh and my
2: god! <laughs> well, well,
0: what 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 was proud. that like? And what what was the result of the of the of the constant turnover? Was it just not hiring the right people, or was it the, the just mess they had to clean up every day?
2: You know, it was a combination of both. I mean, I did both. I did both where I got the wrong person in, and then, and then the mess. They were just astounded at how messy. I mean, you you got to remember, I had one guy that thought it was artistic to dump the trash down the stairwell every day, and they put it up with, uh, oh my God! And the last year, this last year. It was it was the house director from hell here. It was so bad, but I don't know if you remember I had that. Were you guys around when I had that one gal named Rosie? Oh, that one, that one Rosie. I'll tell you this. You can cut this out if I, you want, but uh, she came up to me and she in my office, and she was beginning to be mouthy with me, and she came up into my office. She said, you're mean with those boys, and you have no social skills at all. Well, she could have told me that I was butt ugly, and I went down in the room, the uh, the room off of the dining room or the social room, and mm-hmm. I asked for her keys, and I fired her, and she, she came out of that room flaming, and the boys were sitting there eating their lunch, and she says, that cunt just fired me. <laughs> and, I, and, and the boys just went, I mean, their faces were like, and I just laughed. I said, yeah, I did. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I could only imagine yeah. how difficult it would have been to try to get people to go into that house and clean it up. As a part time or one time I should say pledge who was responsible for cleaning it, I can definitely say firsthand it is tough. And you're dealing with a lot of kids who just aren't accountable to anybody really. Oh my so, god, no. That that no. is a it's yeah, a tough it's, job to fill.
0: One thing I vividly remember is like I don't think like the problem was people leaving trash in the halls or anything. The problem oh, really? was like <laughs> well, no,
1: yeah, I would beg to differ. All
0: right. I would say that, though, that people would go and throw stuff out in the trash, but when they would overflow, people would just continue to pile it and pile it out until it started oh, falling yes. out everywhere. But Linda, well, Linda, I was going to say, we're not going to cut that out because I don't think Rosie's listening. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> okay. Fine.
2: Well, you know what? It, you you got to remember, you guys were, what what, 2017? That yeah. was three years ago. I mean it got worse and worse. I mean What
0: uh, what happened?
2: Well, you know, I had one guy throw stuff in the hallway and I mean he just said, you know, I paid fourteen thousand dollars to live here. I can throw stuff out and expect it to be picked up. So he wasn't was paying some,
1: that. His parents there,
2: were. Yeah, well there was some just some attitudes that
0: Did it cost that much to live in the house?
2: Uh yes it does now. Uh huh. Well, by the time you pay rent to the national and you pay the house fees, that's about what it is. Yes, 14000 I don't remember what it was when you guys were there. But, uh, I mean, it, it's probably one of the higher ones on campus, actually, because I... For the
0: shittiest house. Too.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? They just kept putting a Band-Aid on everything. It, now, they finally did redo all the bathrooms, and then that was... A mess because they were not done well. So there were leaks with that, and standing water, and it, it was just everything. You know, they did was just, whew, just, I don't know. You know, the problem with fraternities is they let them go till they fall apart. Sororities do stuff every year to improve things. Fraternities just wait until you just completely tear it up. You know, where it's just like a di- total disaster.
0: Yeah, but but sororities also don't have parties at their house where where sometimes these these fraternities are having hundreds of people over, drinking, tracking in mud, leaving trash everywhere. And believe you me,
2: those sorority moms knew not to say anything to me about how messy fraternities were. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was in their face. They began to learn. I didn't know when I started there, being a sorority house mom, but I learned being in fraternities that those girls come over and the worst thing they did was they threw gum all over the floor. There was gum everywhere on those floors. I let those sorority moms, I think they got to where they didn't want me to come around because, uh, ugh. They start in on about you know how those fraternities are. I would stand up for you guys because I love what I did and I, I didn't want them talking bad. I'm just like no, you're not doing it. Nope. sorry ladies, shut up.
1: <laughs> I think I think we were good kids in college, but oh, yeah, you absolutely. definitely definitely a little messy. <laughs>
2: oh no you all you know and you know that old saying you play hard and you work hard I mean you were all really that I mean a lot of guys were in schools and curriculum that was you know was tough and I I mean a lot of you have all been very successful and I think you know it's a tribute to how much fun you had, how well you've all done (laughs) there were some guys that not like you two, but there were some guys that didn't get it till their their second semester, their junior year. Oh hell, I'm in college. I need to graduate. They took them that long to get it. That's what I saw. That was the interesting part. Oh, I need to I need to get my act together. I remember one sweetest guy ever, Jake Atlas. <laughs> <laughs> took him forever to get it. Atlas. Uh huh. But he he's something special. But he he finally got it, you know, and he uh. I've seen him at Little Fives. He came down to some Little Fives.
0: Yeah, I think he was like, you think he went down to the four Little Fives after he graduated?
2: And then we lost our team, and I was so sad. Nobody knew. Yeah, wanted that's a good.
0: bummer. Yeah, we lost, uh, dropped the puck and the bike team, I think.
2: Yes, and that was sad. Do you know the last race I went to with, with the A Pi Little Five? There were maybe 10 of us there from the house. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. That's where it went.
1: Yeah, it was. Sad. Some of the houses definitely had more of a biking culture, and those were the houses that gave out bids to kids just to join the bike team. And oh, we never absolutely. did that. I think on the one hand, it was sad that we didn't have a bike team. On the other hand, hand up, I was never going to join that bike team no matter what. There's just too much work involved. So I kind of understand why why guys didn't do it. But yeah, as an outsider looking in, it, it is sad that we weren't able to muster the morale to get a team. The no drinking during Little Five is,
0: is tough. Yeah. It's a hard yeah. sell.
2: Yeah. Oh, i I'll tell you a funny story about one of your brothers. Uh, he came in and set, shut the door and sat in my office. He says, I've got I got a dilemma. I said, what is going on? Well, it was Little Five week. He said, I really like my girlfriend. But he said, this is a week when I could really hook up with a lot of girls. I said, I <laughs> if, I, if I should break up with her.
1: <laughs> what would you say? Said,
2: well. I said, you know, you don't sound very committed to begin with. Like, so what's the problem here?
0: <laughs> do you know what he ended up doing? Uh,
2: I think he stayed with her. I do. I don't, I think he, I I think he did like her enough, but he really knew that that week was the week to make hay, you know. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the stuff I dealt with. Some of that stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That was fun. I mean, that's a fun part is, you know. 18 or 20 year olds thinking they're, uh, all that, whatever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you, that actually gets into a topic that I wanted to delve into a little bit. I think from a development standpoint, when you're in college, you're halfway to figuring it out. I think when you're in high school, you have no idea what you're doing in any regard. And then when you're an adult, as a young adult, you kind of understand like what it takes to to work a nine to five or whatever your, your job is in order to support yourself in college. You're in that in-between, but you think oh, you have uh, it all figured out. <laughs> it must've been a pretty interesting perspective for you to have as an adult to just see basically kids like on that path to figuring out who they're going to be, but also you know, having to deal with all the, the miscalculations.
2: You know, the interesting thing is that a lot of, you know, you're all a lot of smart guys. I mean, a lot of intelligent young men, but I may not have been intelligent, but I had experience. That's the one thing I never, ever questioned when someone would come in and sit down and talk with me. I mean, I couldn't do brain surgery with them, but if, you know, if they had something they wanted to talk about or, you know, I learned, I learned to listen and I learned to pick up on things that they were saying or not saying. And I think you'll learn as you get older that, you know, experience teaches you so much just about life even experience in the work you're doing now or the work you're going to be doing later the experience you're getting now or even some of the experiences you had in college but that was a part that I I felt very comfortable with when I was sitting down with anybody that just my experience but I was in the business world too you know dealing with people and, and I'd had that experience so it was a interesting world for me.
0: Well, one thing I was gonna say is, you know, you said you're a mother and I know you're a grandmother and uh-huh. you were you were our house mom, but everyone called you mom and everyone was comfortable enough to go in, shut the door and sometimes cry in front of you. And like it didn't matter what your like skill skill set was, is like you knew how to be a mother to people and that's why people really really trusted you and that's why you meant so much to guys in our house.
2: Well, thank you. I That's what brought me back year after year, and uh, I just felt like it was a special place. Everybody was just good to me. And, I, and the, the one thing about the Jewish faith and the Jewish culture is your mothers are very strong women. And it's something I could tell and you guys of, of other young men were used to a strong woman in your life. And so you looked at I felt you looked at me like that type of person, not just someone that was in there just pushing papers around on a desk. I felt like there was some respect because you already grew up with that strong respect. of, and And, and I saw it. I don't know how to totally explain it. But I saw it in how I was treated. And uh, I think it's very special to your culture.
1: Yeah, the Jewish mother is definitely a pretty big piece of the Jewish culture. And yeah, we definitely saw you as a Jewish mom as well, like you had said earlier. And yeah, it's just somebody that you can look to for guidance. And I mean, you're not going to take any crap from anybody. You were never that type of person. Like if you you had an opinion, you were going to share it. And if we were in the wrong, you'd let us know. And uh, I think that definitely we were better off for it that you were like that.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just can't say enough of, uh, I mean, the ending, my quitting was, it was a tough year. It was a very, very tough year. It was the toughest year I'd ever had there. And uh, it, it was kind of bittersweet in a way that I had to say, you know, I wasn't coming back because I was going to do it for one more year or, But my place there was being in the house was being a little eroded or not so respected. And I think there's many times that I I helped everybody get through a lot of things in that house. And I think I was respected as a very strong house director on the campus with all the other people, because I always participated in everything that... You know, and went to stuff and met with the dita students, and always talked about what a great house I was with and the great young men and and uh i, I don't know that last year was just whew, rough yeah it was it was kind of bittersweet ending to where I knew it was time to go, yeah, I mean, I didn't go back because of the covid, but uh it almost felt like a relief
0: yeah and and one thing that I was was thinking about as you were saying that is. You know, the thing about college is everyone's only there for four years. If you're a student, some, some stay for five or six. But um, aside from that, it's, you know, you have a, a new group of kids coming in and then one group of kids that you've gone and know so well leaving. And as time goes by and as the house changes, they, you know, they don't not every group of kids coming in thinks like the other and, like, we had such a big amount of respect for you. And, and then when you left, I mean, some of these new kids may come in, and they were bringing in a different crowd into the house that may have charism
2: Yeah. You know, I always said that most of the time, every you all recruited like people. You know what I'm saying? Like you, like people.
0: Uh, like Jewish guys.
2: Yeah, but <laughs> – but, 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 it got to be the most important thing in that house was partying with girls on Third Street, and not that mm-hmm. you all didn't want to party with attractive girls, but that became who they were, and I think they lost some of the brotherhood and some of the what uh, what it was the house was supposed to be about. And I just saw it. Oh, I hate to say that I just saw it eroding. It was sad. It was sad. Because I've had such strong young men and young men who like to have fun and party. But when it gets down to who's the most elitist, it gets ugly.
1: Yeah, I definitely understand what you're saying with that. I think our house was definitely a little bit unique in that, at least when we were there, we were on campus with the group of guys who were seniors and we were freshmen who had started the house. Yeah. So they were like the genesis of the house. And when they founded it, they founded it on tenants of brotherhood and community and, and respect for one another. And then they recruited guys who thought the same way. But then over time, you you kind of gain a little bit more stature as a house. And then you kind of see what is available to you in terms of pairs. And then you start thinking more towards that end of things. And then, yeah, it just manifests you every year. Kids are coming in thinking that they're going to party more and try to pair with the best houses. And they, yeah, they just lose track of that brotherhood. And I mean, ultimately, it just turns into people only caring about that, and it is sad, but I think Ari and I were both very privileged in that we were on campus for a period of time where uh, that brotherhood was still very valued, and
2: it seems like you see that. Definitely, you guys, yeah, I mean, definitely. I would say you know, the last two years, uh, and I don't know what it's going to be like when they form again and get to go back, but I knew they would start partying and get kicked off. I mean, (laughs) I, I mean, I I knew they would. I mean, I just knew that they didn't want to abide by any rules and it was a, it was a different, uh, different than what I'd seen. It was sad. I, I just felt sad.
1: <laughs> no, it is sad. And I, I remember I went back and visited um, after graduating and yeah, you definitely see a lot of rules that were in place when you were in school not being followed and, and not even being rules anymore. And you kind of just see the writing on the wall with that. It's like if you're gonna just all of a sudden take away all the rules and not really abide by anything, then you're gonna somebody's gonna screw up and you're gonna get in trouble and kicked off campus. That's just how it goes. It's sad well, to say, and no, yeah. nobody wants to live by it, but that's just how it is.
2: IU is is in control, and you know, uh, regardless of whether you like it or not, they they do have some control. But I mean, coming to work every day was just such a joy, I mean, and and I had, and there's also times when I just fought with the cooks, they were just (laughs) doing a terrible job, (laughs) sometimes I would wait until you guys said something, so I would be, because it wasn't about pleasing me, it was about pleasing all of you, and I'd wait until somebody would just got fed up enough, and would come to me and go, this is, the and I'm going, thank God, you finally noticed, now I can get on someone's rear end, Because that that was the other part of my job, was the cook sometimes. That became a mess, a mess. I had to get some cooks out of there, some chefs. that I Like, out of here, done, get them out. We don't want them here anymore. So, oh, my God, yeah. That was also, that was also. But I just felt like it was my responsibility. That was part of where I needed to take care of you guys, you know?
0: Yeah, and one thing that you were talking about earlier was kind of how, like, the guys just wanted to party with, good looking sororities on third street and me and Sam both know like when we got there like I would like we were a good house in terms of brotherhood but we weren't like getting the best sororities and by best I mean like what some would consider the most attractive sororities like to come over and that was something we like wanted to do and like work towards and like by the end of it we were kind of getting it but we didn't have that while we were there and we just like kind of had each other and a really good group of girlfriends at a 5 and SDT, but it that was just like, I, I guess that's kind of a difference that, that we had with some of the guys you dealt with later in your years. Oh my God.
2: Well, SDT was not allowed to even even look at the house. I mean, they couldn't even come over there and breathe on <laughs> it. And uh, the AE5 girls were barely allowed. I mean, if you weren't a Kappa, a Pi Phi, or an Alpha Phi, you you just were not it. I mean, I, and you know, so one of the house moms said to me, well, when I was in college, there was no system like that. And I went, you were here at IU, and she was a Kappa Delta. And I said, when I was here way before you, there was a system, and I knew it. And it, it never changed. I mean, it stayed the same. Uh, when the TriDels got kicked off, they still hang around they weren't supposed to be around but that was kind of the beginning of who they were getting and uh, a lot of it was uh, the guys had a lot of that they were friends in the houses you know so they kind of developed that through friendships too you know uh, uh, they had friends in those houses and then they started convincing people to you know party with them but it just got to where they started having bigger and bigger and bigger parties and it it and they wanted well, do you know the Fiji, the Fiji house?
1: Yeah, oh, really nice one, yeah.
2: Yeah, well my grandson just graduated from there. He was there four years, one of my grandsons. And the Fiji's called uh A. E. Pi Disneyland. <laughs> so they love to funny. come over there and party because they knew they could just probably, you know, let loose like a bunch of crazy wild people. Yeah, they called it Disneyland.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing that you forget is people are using you when you're the one hosting the biggest parties. They're not on the hook for it. You are.
2: Uh -uh. Uh Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah. And I always thought girls should pay, and no guy has ever wanted them to pay because – but you know what? If we stood at
0: the door and asked the girls, like, hey, like $2 to get in, I think a lot of them would have a problem with that.
2: Oh, my gosh,
1: yeah. (laughs) They'd not come in.
0: (laughs) Even if we were like, listen, the money is going to t- towards buying nicer alcohol and cleaning up after the party, <coughs> I think a lot of them would still have a problem with that.
2: Oh, no, no, because uh, you know, their thought was, we come over here and we trash the place. And, you know, look, you were asking me about getting people to clean with some of the problems. Well, one of them, there was a dirty 10 thrown up against the wall in one of the bathrooms. You know, how many people <laughs> want to clean that mess? Yeah. Nobody. Yeah, and rubbers everywhere in the shaw in the bathroom stalls and stuff. Yeah. Used. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean do you who do you know that would want to do that kind of work?
1: <laughs> There's not
0: enough money in the world. I can't believe I lived there for a year and a half.
2: I know. Well I'll tell you what, about a year is about anybody can do. By the time they that that first semester, they've about had it. I mean, I think it's fun to experience it, but too much is too much, you know. By the time you turn 21, everybody wants out of there.
1: For sure. Yeah. I lived in for one semester, my junior year, first first semester, and it was about all that I wanted. But it was the perfect amount of time.
2: Well, it is. It is. You were a junior. Yeah. Only one semester.
1: Yeah, I lived out as a sophomore.
0: Yeah, I lived in both for my entire sophomore year and then my first semester junior year but probably going through junior year i was, I was ready to get out
2: oh most everybody is they've had it and uh that's yeah, that is about the limit the only thing they look forward to is if you're going abroad and they they survive because they can go abroad then they they try to get out because because this is what happens you grow up just a little and by the time those sophomores are living in there and they're starting acting stupid and you just look at them like they're acting more stupid and more stupid. And you just get, you just get done with their shenanigans, you know, when you want it out of there, uh, you, just, you know, and then when they bring in those freshman pledges, it gets more crazy. And uh, the juniors have just like, get me out of here so bad.
1: So well, there were some improvements that were made around the house that, didn't go over as expected, I imagine. The one that I have in mind was the vending machine. Do you remember that?
2: Oh, my God, the one they put corn in?
1: Yeah. Oh,
0: just,
2: <laughs> yeah. oh my God, I couldn't believe that. You you think you do something good and guys find something silly to do with stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, that vending machine was ransacked. I think all the money was taken, all the snacks were taken out, and then yes. somebody replaced it with corn. And there was just a bunch oh, yeah. of corn in the vending machine. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll never forget this for as long as I live. I was the one that walked in the back door when you were laying eyes on that vetting machine with the cord in it for the first time. And I've never <laughs> seen someone look so disappointed.
2: <laughs> oh, yes. You know, yeah, you think, oh, this will be nice. And then that somebody just, you know, destroys it. And, you know, I had to get to the to the mindset that, you know, boys, you play, you pay because you had to pay for every your house totally did had to pay for everything that was broken or messed up and I remember one of the guys I came in one morning they said you are really going to be pissed and I said what's going on well he got drunk and ended up in the women's bathroom you remember that
0: yeah
2: they were afraid he would passed out so they just took the hammer to it and beat the door open to get, open it and get him out and they said you're yeah. gonna be so mad and I said, You know, not really. You gotta pay for the door, but you got him out. What I don't really care.
0: <laughs>
2: Everybody thought I was gonna be so mad over that. No. You got him.
0: Yeah, out. and that wasn't even uh it wasn't even during a party, it was during a chapter meeting. He just got so drunk that he went in the
1: women's bathroom and passed out.
2: Yeah, yeah. Bless his heart. Sweet kid.
1: <laughs> the Very irony sweet. in that was that was rolling off of eboard as the risk manager <laughs> and then went and did that and then put himself in an immense amount of risk and then we had to break down the door with an axe
2: <laughs> and, and the one that wanted all the the light switches that when you walk in the room he had that project he was always looking for a project it was like oh my god what next and he we had those lights electric lights put in that when you walked in the lights would go on and they said we're well, well, it's a way to save electricity. And I said, let me show you how to save electricity. See this button? Turn the light off. <laughs> Turn it on when you come in. You can save like that instead of spending $5,000.
1: I think he also helped create the ID checker at the back door for parties because oh, we weren't right? allowed to let in freshmen. Oh, wow. And the only way to verify that was with a student ID. So, that, so he created a way to check people's student IDs came up with a ton of stuff but yeah he also he was loved, a huge he loved liability things.
2: yeah he <laughs> loved creating things yeah
1: somebody's got to do it
2: yeah <laughs> and then you'll uh every year when you get a new president they would think of all these things they needed to do it was like president would have been was going to be president that last year that he didn't quite make he wanted to, he wanted to buy a bunch of squeegees to use in the uh dining room so they could squeegee all the water out the doors so i said Mm. no we use mops you're not using squeegees listen to me i've been doing this for a long time i said you squeegee that at the doorway and it's just going to be standing water at the doorway and tear up the doors oh oh
1: my god floor at the social though was pretty notorious there were a couple of times where my shoes would stick to the uh stick to the floor,
0: and I
2: wouldn't oh, it be
1: able was,
2: to it was get them horrible. off. It was horrible,
0: yeah. You remember the sand parties?
2: Oh, yes.
0: What was the yeah. after process of cleaning those up like?
2: Oh, you mean the sand out in the courtyard?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: horrible. Oh, normally normally there was no cleaning up till that summer. It was all left. All the piss and vomit that was probably in the sand was left out there because we couldn't get the people to come back and do it. So, it took forever, and then it was drugging the house, week after week after week, the sand, yeah, oh yeah, that was, uh... and then, were you around when we had a pudding party?
1: Uh, that that sounds, sounds like a horrible party. idea.
2: We had a pudding party, where they <laughs> threw pudding all over the house and all over everybody, and then we had the gummy bear party, uh, they soaked all the gummy bears in booze, and they were thrown all over the house, or people were eating them and throwing them all over the house, but... I mean, uh, oh, and then then we had the we had the party where they had two hookahs out there, and they were passing around a, about 300 people, and at the time the norovirus was in the house, so <laughs> they passed the norovirus around through the hookah, and everybody in the house got sick, and everybody had to go to hotels.
0: I'm okay sharing a hookah with like maybe like three or four people, but. 300 people seems extremely excessive, and two hookahs for 300 people is also and very especially ridiculous. When
2: you have... I can
0: partner. just imagine the ball just circling around, waiting for their turn. Well,
2: the boys first thought it was food poisoning, so we double-checked the food, and it wasn't bad. And then it started going through the whole house. The boys had to leave the house and go to hotels because it was just spreading so fast. Um, it was a mess, um, Some of my most interesting times, I I will have to tell you this, I don't think you guys ever got in on it, was my sex education.
1: (laughs) I don't think I ever was a part of that. Can you 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 elaborate?
2: Oh, yeah. That was one of my funniest times. I had, I don't know if I should tell who it is, but it was three or four of them come in. They were telling me how the women loved them and they made the women happy. And I went, yeah. Yeah, wrong. It's going to be about till you're 36 you're going to know how to make a woman happy. No, I make them happy now. I said, "Uh uh-uh. Look at me, I'm a woman, I can tell you. Do you know how many women fake it until you learn how what they want? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) He argued with me that no one faked it with him, and I went. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> I tell you, I, uh, I'll tell you right now, <laughs> that was one of the funniest, funniest sessions I had. With, I, I, hope to this day that that goes through his mind sometimes when he's having sex, wondering if she's faking it. <laughs> but I mean, you know, nothing surprised me. I mean, you got to realize I worked in radio. And when you work in radio, you you learn to say the F word like every other breath.
0: Not when you're on air though. No,
2: no, no, but I was in sales (laughs) and I inside our office. Not when I called on people. But we had the DJs who, you know, who would come out and I mean just unload out in the hallways if something something mechanical wasn't working or something wasn't right in the booth where they were doing their DJ stuff and or something in production went wrong and it was just like F F F. And so I mean, nothing generally will surprise me or embarrass me. So it, it was like that was the one thing about being with you guys is it just it just you know guys would walk by standing there with their towels talking to me and I tell the house other house moms that and they just like oh my god you, you know well it's nothing I mean <laughs> it's just where I sit
1: you know. I think that speaks volumes, though, to how much everyone trusted you. And, I mean, it's so much nicer having someone that you can air your emotions to and share other things with. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, yeah. And I, uh, you know, I shared, you know, I mean, my life is pretty much was an open book. And uh, and I will have to say uh, that when my daughter got sick that I lost, uh, that was six years ago this week, this December the 11th. Uh, the guys who were pledges I came into my office one day and they had a big roll of paper you know that you write on and they'd all written on it a prayer and said they were thinking of me and that's what got me through the entire time of, of dealing with my daughter passing it I knew I could come there and my mind would be filled with so many things and so many fun things, and I survived because of that, because of this house, being able to come there, and uh, uh, and there were like 40 or 50 of the guys that came to my daughter's funeral, and uh, I mean, that will always live with me in my heart, and it just, that's why the house meant so much to me. There were so many moments like that that I, that I gained from being around all of you young men, and... Uh, and as you get older, sometimes, you know, you don't get those moments. Uh, sometimes those moments pass you when you're younger, and you don't expect between 60 and 70-some years old to have those moments. And, it, it, uh, and they were able they were to be cherished for the rest of my life. I mean, truly, truly cherished what everybody has meant to me and the fun I had and uh, the moments, the moments, just the many moments. I feel so fortunate.
0: And yeah, that's, it's extremely touching. I I remember those moments as well with you when the times were good for you and when the times were bad, but, you know, we'll reiterate it again. You were a very, very special person and not just us, but a lot of the viewers who were in the house and all, all the guys that passed through, you have a special place in our hearts for sure. You'll always be my, my second mother.
2: Thank you. Thank you. That means more to me you know so much it means so much uh, and I have 11 grandkids that I absolutely cherish and I think that having having gone through the experience of being around all of you young men it made me more understand everything they did you know as I started growing up nothing surprised me <laughs> you know I mean they'd be going through, through things smoking pot and, Their moms would go, oh, my God. And I'm going, I've seen a a lot of that. So, you know, (laughs) I've seen about everything. You know, the boys would, you guys, some of you would come in. (laughs) Used to come in (laughs) and take a hit. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) Me. I never did a hit, but he wanted me to. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, but it was like, so when my grandkids started going through this as they got older, I mean, I've got three or four out of college now. And it was like their moms would tell to me and I'd say, this is college kids. You know, you got to keep an eye on it. But it, it's those experiences they go through. And it helped me. I, I, they didn't look at me like I was this complete old fogey nana. <laughs> and so it really helped me.
1: Yeah, I, I can only imagine all of the experiences that <laughs> being the house mom set you up for um, or kind of, I guess, made you more sensitive or less sensitive to, I should say.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, uh, uh, you know, just the fun, the, the fun, I mean, uh, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I, I, I let loose with some pretty choice words at times, but uh, you know, So we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even my husband would probably be shocked, but whatever.
0: <laughs> Linda, i remember i i'm trying to find it now but i have some photo of you somewhere that's like in uh it's a snapchat that someone took of you in quotations and you were like standing in the dining room and you're like you should see these kids that live in now i saw a kid walking around with a shirt the other day that said i eat ass
2: yes did i say that yeah oh my god oh, my god. oh yeah well i remember one time I, I don't know what mood he was in, but he walked through the dining room and said something really foul. And oh my God, I <laughs> turned on him. Like I said, you turn around and apologize to me right now. And it just kind of caught him off guard.
1: <laughs> Linda, um, I'm
0: I'm texting you right now a picture of the culprits from the uh, the vending machine uh, job. I, okay. I put it in our group chat. You could take a look at okay. it when you have a second.
2: I will. I will. Oh yeah, I see.
1: Are you yeah. surprised?
2: Oh my God, he did it! <laughs> oh my God, and who's the other one? I can't quite. That's. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I remember him. He's his mom used to love to come there and have a good time, if I remember. Yeah. Oh wow. I, that that I can't believe he did that. That little snake. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He probably was the one that uh, sold you on the idea.
2: <laughs> oh my God, I can't! I didn't know he did that. at little. It
0: yeah. was I, there was a few people involved, but like you like you said, he was always working on a project. What do you think his project was? How could I get all the money and all the the candy? I, I know. Be
2: well, I thought, when are you going to study, honey? You know, you you just you just got to sit down and talk about all these ideas and and you know uh, sometimes the ideas were like really, you know, like, you gotta be nice, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, Uh, so many, yeah, so many good times, so many good conversations, so watching, watching guys grow up, actually, not completely, I mean, you, you gotta be about 36 to be completely grown up, but, but watching some of them begin to grow up, and realize what life was about, and, or what, schooling was about and that was really that was really interesting to see the changes to see you know the, the changes um, and they were really pretty obvious you know people they didn't always see that in themselves but I be you know me that I'm there all the time and with everybody I can see so many you know so many changes like I said I'm looking at you two and you've just grown up
0: like yeah. what well, also, like, as a as a kid, and by kid, I mean a college student, like, you could change so much within a year.
2: Oh, yes. Yes.
1: And yeah. you definitely had kind of a unique look at it, too, like, more than most people's parents even would, because you're just with us constantly. Yeah. And you're not, like, a professor where you're just with a student for a year at a time. Like, you really see people for all four years.
2: Yeah. Which is uh, yeah.
1: pretty unique. And,
2: and, and I see everything they do and, and who they interact with. and. You know the one. The one neat thing is there were there were not a lot of not a lot of fighting or you know in no and uh, and I was so impressed when you would have one of those goodness and well or well and goodness things. good and welfares good and well yes I was so impressed when you would have those that and I would tell a, a house other house I don't know if that's a fraternity secret but I t- would tell sorority moms that and they were just. They just had no idea that you young men did that. I mean, I think they, I taught them a lot of things that they didn't know fraternity men actually did. They just thought you, you know, just chased women and got drunk all the time, you know?
1: <laughs> it was you were our ambassador. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you were our ambassador.
2: Oh, you know what? I, I, I will have to say that was, uh, no one ever said anything bad about, you guys or fraternities in general. Now I had some fraternities that I wanted to smack around, but that was just, just part of being connected to all of you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely don't think that many would disagree that we had one of the stronger brotherhoods on campus and we always prided ourselves on that. And uh, I, yeah, I mean, I can't really remember any fights between guys, which is kind of crazy to think about when you think about where guys were at that point in their lives. Like you're at your most reckless, you're kind of like, probably intoxicated more than you ever would be at yeah. any other point. I mean, we just still never fought. So yeah, there were, that is kind of a,
0: there cool there definitely that. were very, very few physical altercations. There was like sometimes some like bantering and like whatever shit talking, going back and forth very briefly, Yeah. but it, ne- but it was never like a huge thing that like blew up. Everyone yeah. was pretty good with each other.
2: Well, and, and I, uh... Yeah, I mean, I, I would find out that there were some guys that maybe didn't like somebody. Every once in a while I'd find out, you know, somebody didn't like somebody. Because they'd
0: come in and sit down and tell you, I really don't like this person. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. But, uh, yeah. but it was uh, it was never anything bad, and I think it was something it seemed like it, it always took care of itself. It never really caused any problem. And, uh, you know, I had guys that come in and you know couldn't get girls and wanted to figure out how to how do you get girls and <laughs> you know they there were guys in your house that had those problems like I just can't seem to find anybody to date and uh, and everybody else had dates to all the formals and all the stuff and you, you had a few of those I mean that would come and sit in my office and and you know that I saw some you know fall in love uh the guy that became an attorney he He fell in love the first time he saw her. I I watched it. It, That was what. That was the other fun part. I always kept giving Michael Cady a hard time, telling him he ought to have a lot of girls. He's tall and good looking. (laughs) And then I had several brothers, which was fun to see their different personalities.
0: Mm, Yeah. Different
2: personalities. All they were all real close brothers, but different personalities, and that was fun to watch brother.
1: So have you been able to keep in touch with a lot of guys outside of the house? I know you're active on Instagram, so you probably see. Yeah,
2: I do. I see people's updates. Lot of do and, and you know try to make comments and uh, uh, that, that yeah that's fun. I, I enjoy that keeping up with their lives and you know some of them growing up got married. I don't know one has a child and yeah it's kind of strange how everybody's life. You know,
0: yeah.
2: It just kind of moved on.
0: Yeah, Linda, I was going to say you are very active on Instagram, but not active enough to let the Legends podcast follow. You sit for maybe two weeks now. Really? Yeah.
2: So what am I Wow. Um,
0: <laughs> it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. <laughs>
2: Do I follow you?
0: Well, I'm, I'm already following you. Uh, well, I think you're following me, but I requested to follow you, and oh, I haven't I heard anything following- back.
2: Well, see. No, you know,
0: I'm, just,
1: I'm just giving you a hard time. It's okay. okay.
2: That's okay. <laughs> I know, I
1: know. So, Linda, in conclusion, as your time as a house mom has concluded, what were your favorite memories of being in the house? And I guess what are you taking away from the experience?
2: Oh, wow. You know, just the kind of joy of, of working with college students, because you, college students sometimes get a bad rap. And fraternity houses get a bad rap. And it was nice to be there and be involved with wonderful young men, truly, and be able to go out and tell people what I saw day to day. And you shouldn't believe everything you read. And they're not all animal house sometimes they have fun like animal house but but I would say becoming I, I think I was becoming the ambassador for fraternities just because uh, you all were a lot of good guys and and the one thing that that I treasured was just learning I, I bought a book and read the entire book on the Jewish culture and I don't mean to put it down to that or the pinpoint that is. But it meant so much to me to be able to learn and grasp and get involved and grow in my knowledge of of your culture and your heritage. It it meant so much to me because so many people do not know and do not know how strong the Jewish culture is and and I think that's probably one of the biggest things I took away from it that I feel privileged that that I got to be in that person and I was never raised with anti-semitic parents or parents who were against anything Uh, I was just raised in my religion because that's who we were and I was and I never got to appreciate that until I became a part of your family and I would listen to other people make remarks and I became so also thankful for my family for raising me that way that when I knew I was interviewing with a Jewish house, it never even gave a second thought. It was something I I truly cherish.
1: Well, we definitely cherish our time with you. And uh, yeah, I think it's kind of fun looking back on our experience at pie Indiana. It's like just a little Jewish bubble in the midst of a very non-Jewish area, but we made it a... Uh, great place. And Linda, you were a huge part of that experience and you were able to help guide us through some of our challenges and be there for the good times. And we're happy to be able to be supportive of you like in a a similar fashion. So yeah, thank you for all that you did for us during your time and uh, we greatly appreciate it.
2: You're welcome and you're all special, very special to me. So thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Linda. We loved having you on
2: Well, bless you and take care of yourselves.
0: Thank Thank you, Linda. You you too.
2: Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.